How will the Jacksonville Jaguars replace DJ Chark's targets for the remainder of the season? Is it time to bench Miles Sanders against a tough Panthers defense? And how strong of a case is Kirk Cousins making to be an FFPC lineups in week four? Plus, a former FFPC league champ and week one main event leader Silas Dane hangs out to discuss Kyle Pitts, Zach Pascal, or Pascal, and Jamal Williams, plus much more. We've got a great show for you. Farrell Elliott is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts now. I can't stand the pressure. I've seen greater men than Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. Welcome to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com, with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for analysis from the best players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here's Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. Thank you to the Quiet Hollers. Remember to check out their music at quiethollers.com. Greetings and salutations, all of you Balkaholics and Ferreliacs. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. I am, of course, as always, your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman. My co-host is the definitive commissioner of fantasy football, Farrell Elliott. Farrell, we usher in October. It doesn't seem that long ago that you and I were hanging out in Louisville. We were hanging out in Las Vegas. And now all of a sudden, it's getting real because we got 25% of the season done. And I, I certainly wouldn't encourage anybody to make any rash decisions, but the season is, is cooking along here, and, and you sort of got to make hay while the sun shines. How are your teams doing as we hit, not the quarter pole, because the quarter pole is the last quarter of the season, but how are your teams looking as we hit the first 25% of the season? Uh, personally, Balky, my teams are, uh, you know, I have one outlier that's actually doing pretty well in football guys and a bunch of others that are a blast to play, um, but needed some work on the waiver wire this week. And I joined probably all of our FFPC and KFFSC players and working that waiver wire and I'm playing more teams than I ever had. So it was a lot of work, you know. Guys that benefit from working every year, Balky, in fantasy football, and I need to give them a shout-out because today, before the show, I checked out the FFPC leaderboard that I had uh, taken a uh, bookmark before Thursday night's games, and I saw that our 2020 champion from the KFFFC, yes, FPI, yep. used their uh, one of many bids, used their bids that the KFFSC awarded to them and have navigated after week three into third place. Petri and Larson, uh, Brad and Darren, they are uh, off to a good start in not only the FFPC, but here in Kentucky. This is why you listen to the show, because not only are Petri and Larson in third place overall in the FFPC main event, you heard them um, uh, probably less than a month ago on these airwaves 
telling you who to draft, who not to draft. Um, you know, they're sleepers and busts and everything. And now they're third place for, for a half million bucks. Not only um, do we have them in third, but former guests of the show, Danny Mueller and Ron Meyer, uh, co-owners of the second place overall team in the FFPC main event right now, just ahead of Picture and Lyson, um, which is phenomenal that we have those guys in second place with, with, uh, with uh, the, the reigning KFFSC champs in third place. Um, which is awesome. And I, like you said, Farrell, um, Frying Pan Inc. doing very, very well trying to repeat as the overall champs in the KFFSC main event. That's awesome. Uh, and I, sure, I certainly don't want to give them short shrift tonight. What I do want to acknowledge tonight, and maybe I'm the only person who realizes this, but I'm going to tell you this right now. Starting tonight, this is the one-year anniversary of KFFSC Commissioner Farrell Elliott being the official co-host of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. Farrell, you have officially made it a year. Congratulations on that anniversary, my friend. You, uh, you're, you're, you're in the annals now. I mean, this, this, is, this is legit. And, I, and I'll say this, too. Um, I have had a lot of high stakes owners come up to me in Louisville. I had a lot of them come up to me in Vegas and saying how much they are enjoying the podcast with you and I now uh, co-hosting it. It's been a year, and according to the uh, according to the sample size, you are crushing it, my friend. So congratulations and thank you. Well, thank you, Boggy. I would think after a year I would have gotten a little better, though. Hey, it's, it's really been a year. Well, it's been a good part of the year, and I've enjoyed it. It's been great, and uh, I thank you for coming on. This has been awesome. Uh, coming up on tonight's show to celebrate Farrell's anniversary, we're going to uh, discuss CJ Uzuma, or Uzoma's uh, huge Thursday night performance. I got an uh, email from um, next week's uh, Road of His High Stakes Lowdown guest um, about CJ Uzoma that is really helping him out in the Pros versus Joes leaderboard. We'll get to that later on, but we're going to talk about that, uh, that tonight. We're going to talk about Zach Moss's emergence. Uh, in the Buffalo uh, backfield, uh, Hudson Kern-Reeve, who's hanging out in the chat room, already has a question about him. We'll get to that. And then, of course, Silas Dane, uh, former FFPC league champ, who is the leader in the FFPC main event after week one. This is his first and only entry ever in his career into the main event, and he was leading everybody after week one. We're going to talk to him in roughly 10 minutes or so. He's going to hop aboard. We're going to talk about uh, the main event. We're going to talk about Marquise Brown, whether he's an every-week start at this point. And how uh, Silas ended up with such a receiver-rich team in his 12th FFPC Live Auction Squad plus much more. Shout out to the chat room right now. Feel free to post any questions you might have in there. We got Kevin Williamson. We got Dave Gerzak, John Terry, Hudson Reeve all hanging out plus more in the chat room right now. If you want to connect with us on Twitter, the show is at HSFFR. I am at Eric Balkman. You can always uh, learn more about Farrell's Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship at KFFSC.com. Facebook at Facebook.com slash HSFFR. And if you want to chime in and talk with us, we encourage that type of behavior. 347-426-3682. That's 347-426. I beg your pardon. 347-GAME-OVA. You can also email the show highstakesfantasyfootball at gmail.com. If you have any questions for me, for Farrell, or for Silas, send them in now. We'll try to get to all the chat room questions, tweets, and emails in the fantasy feedback segment later on in the show. Thanks to our audio engineer and my best friend, Bryce, and our producer mutual friend, Rob. By the way, Bryce is doing the show remotely from New York City tonight, which is a huge shout-out to him. Thank you so much, Bryce, for that. 
uh, which is awesome. All right, let's get into it tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, all the nuts and bolts, everything going on that you need to be concerned about for week four in the FFPC. Ryan Tannehill says he has a ton of confidence in wide receiver Nick westbrook Akini, and I think I'm pronouncing this right. This is according to ESPN.com. Now, we already know A.J. Brown is out for week four. We know Julio Jones is out for week four. westbrook Akini had 25 pass routes last week, four catches, four targets, 53 yards. He also, it could have been a better day because he had a pass interference call that set up a Jeremy McNichols touchdown. Ryan Tannehill, the dude who's throwing the ball to him, quote, he does the dirty work for us. By the way, uh, Westbrook Hakini, 144 catches, 2,200 yards, and 16 touchdowns in four seasons at Indiana University. Back to Tannehill. He gets in there and blocks. He's physical. He's tough. He's a versatile guy who has size and strength and who's made some big plays for us. I have a ton of of confidence in Nick. Now, you know, that aside, we know that the players are going to stick up for their teammates and everything like that. But no Julio Jones, Farrell, no A.J. Brown. And now week four, you get the Jets. Josh Reynolds, I, 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 and I haven't seen the latest on him if he's going to be back for week four. But you look at Nick Westbrook-Hakini, and by the way, John Terry is in the chat room right now, was talking him up on the road of his high-stakes lowdown this week, a guy that, that he was looking at in waivers this week. You look at Westbrook Hakini, is this a guy for anybody who has him available in their leagues that could pick him up on Sunday morning? Is this a guy you look at starting against the Jets with no A.J. Brown and Julio Jones? Oh, I think he is bulky, especially if you played into the idea that you would have an A.J. Brown, uh, Julio Jones, or Tannehill stack involved. And some people did that. And this is a very good player. He came out in a COVID year, and I think he's the he is the a perfect example of a player that, with an active combine, with scouts visiting campuses, this player would not have been available as a free agent. So an undrafted free agent, uh, tip of the cap to John Sage down at Tennessee. He's their director of college scouting. Fantasy players should look at what the Tennessee Titans do when they sign undrafted players because if they can get a player like this to come join the team, They've made a very, very good selection, and they're developing talent. This is what you love from a team. This player is ready to step up and do it. And like a lot of physical receivers, he's six foot two, 215. He put a lot of that weight on in college. Like physical receivers, they're being defended by these corners, especially guys that are giving up several inches in height. Uh, by holding penalties, by pass interference. I'm so glad you bring up uh, the fact that he drew the PI in a very critical position. We're having the, the situation all across the league. People are wondering why Pitts is not catching a lot of passes down in Atlanta. Well, he's being interfered with. Same thing with Claypool. That's why Claypool's nursing a few injuries. It's because they're just, they're just beating and taking a, a rack into his body. Uh, but I digress. Your question about uh, Nick, should you have him in the lineup? Yes, you should put him in the lineup at a flex position and count on getting at least 15 points this weekend. You know, Farrell, that's great advice because I look at FantasyMojo.com run by Darren Armani. Shout out to at FantasyMojo on Twitter and, and look at what the high-stakes players did with NWI, as Dave Gerzak is making me call him right now. He was added in 609 leagues. This is FFPC high-stakes leagues, football guys, players, championship, main event, so on and so forth. Minimum bid of one. A maximum bid of 210, which means his median bid to pick this guy up, only 22 bucks. 
he's probably out there in a lot of leagues right now. And if you're looking for receiver uh, help, we already talked about Brown being out. There's some Steelers issues. Um, uh, you know, so you may need a receiver this week. You look at NWI for Tennessee. He might be out there in, in your league, and you could probably get him cheap on Sunday morning. He got the KFFSC commish stamp of approval. He's certainly getting the bulky stamp of approval. NWI is a guy you need to look at for Sunday morning waivers for sure. Let's talk about the Thursday night game last night. Obviously mm-hmm. not a lot of Super Bowl implications for this game, Farrell, but a lot of fantasy implications. And one of the big winners in Thursday night's game between the Jaguars and Bengals was LaVisca Chennault. He gets seven targets. He snares six of them for 99 yards. He also had an 11-yard rush. Now, this is interesting because um, I think it was on the opening series, DJ Chark gets rolled up by one of his offensive linemen. He breaks his ankle, conceivably out for the season. Now, 52 yards of LaVisca Chennault's 99 came on a, uh, a Hail Mary. Well, not a Hail Mary, but a deep pass where uh, sure. Chenault beat Trey Waynes on that play. Um, Chenault was, he, you, you know, you think of him as a running back, a quasi running back and a guy who catches a, or uh, gains a lot of yards after the catch, but a lot of air yards tonight. And you look at what is going to happen with this Jacksonville offense with no DJ Chark, again, probably for the remainder of the season, maybe for good. He might have played his last game uh, for Jacksonville since he's a free agent. But it's Chenault and it's Marvin Jones. Farrell, how much are you bumping up not only Chenault but Marvin Jones um, when, when you look at who to start week to week in this Jaguars offense now that you know there's no DJ Chark? A lot of things going on there, Balky. And, and first of all, you had it right. Uh, almost all of Trevor Lawrence's passes are Hail Marys at this point in time. So that's that's understandable. You had that exactly right. Um, LaVisca Chenault was a player that I targeted to get in the lineup uh, wherever I could this week. He's, You know, he is essentially uh, a running back playing wide receiver in this offense. He's six foot one, 230 pounds. He looks at that's his listed weight. I think he's probably uh, a little bit closer to 240. He was a, he was a four, six guy at the combine. And that is his play speed until he starts running downhill. He's a bubble screen guy. That's how they started their game. He has nothing in common, absolutely nothing in common with DJ Chark. And he would have probably had a bigger game if Chark had, had stayed on the field, because this is your underneath guy. And I tell you what, you got to be a brave player to play those uh, uh, to play those Cincinnati Bengals underneath with the with the kid Wilson from Wyoming playing uh, a middle linebacker for him, number fifty five. But yes, this is a player that you should have in your lineup every week going forward. Marvin Jones is going to get the pickup in the deeper passing game. Um, the 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 longer passing routes over the middle. That's where your uh, DJ Chark is going to get uh, uh, where those targets are going to end up. But I just can't say enough about uh, how these receivers need to help uh, this quarterback, Lawrence, and, and Chenault uh, needs to look um, uh, to Marvin to, to learn a little more about how to play the position. They are not sharp. They round off routes. They don't come out sharp and crisp on their routes. There's problems about that. The announcers brought that up last night. But Shark, you know, he's got a lot of football in front of him. He turns 23 years old next week. I think he's looking at a very big, big uh, season uh, for all the drafters. That, that Anyone that's got him is going to be rewarded for his play. 
Jay Flake, who has uh, who who will be joining me on the Road of His High Stakes Blowdown next week, um, was talking up CJ Uzoma uh, to me last night mm-hmm. in in our email exchange, and he said because uh, this was a guy that Jay drafted in the. Um, 2021 FFPC pros versus Joe's competition. And he said, this is a guy that could get me back up to first place. And you look at him only rostered in 6.4% of FFPC leagues. I mean, this is a guy who was probably caught in a lot of leagues last night or not last night, but this season so far, but last night, Farrell, five catches, 95 yards and two touchdowns in their win over the Jaguars. Now for what it's worth, we do believe with the mini buy here, T. Higgins is probably coming back against the Packers in Week Five. So, but but you know, Uzoma still had to contend with targets from, you know, Tyler Boyd and Jamar Chase, who had nice uh, nights. And um, you, you look at his best yardage in a game prior to this was 29 yards. He gets 95 last night, 22 yard touchdown, 31 yard touchdown, and the secondary had a lot of problems tackling him. Uh, in there now, Burrow had played a part into this because both of the passes that Burrow uh, got to Uzoma were perfect. They were great, and and this is more of a commentary on Burrow, who won me some money on player props last night, which was great. Um, yeah. uh, it, this plays into Uzoma as well. But you look at um, the Packers' defense, which has been giving up a lot of fantasy points to tight ends this week uh, or this season so far, Farrell, and you get Uzoma coming in there. Again, we probably think Higgins is going to be active, but this is a guy who's got to be rostered a lot more than just 6% of FFPC main event leagues. Oh, yeah, Bucky. I drafted him early, and I gave up on him just because this is a perfect example of why I think this coach has been 6-26 and 26 in the last two years. Now, he couldn't help the fact that the player had a torn Achilles last season. There's nothing you could do about that. The previous season, I didn't think he was targeted enough, and he wasn't on the field enough. But what he's done with Burrow, and it doesn't matter about who's coming back, what you saw in the game last night with Burrow is that he's developed trust, and he's developed a connection with this player. And this player is a physically gifted tight end, big Move player, six foot six. I mean, you haven't seen a player that size move like that since Gronkowski in his prime, I don't think. Yeah. So, you know, this, this is a team that we're still finding out about. We're still developing. And that second half that they put on the field last night, yes, it was against Jacksonville, but that was the team they had to play. That was the team they had to turn the momentum around and come back and do well on. And if you stayed with the broadcast, you learned that Burrow said something very very enlightening. He said, you know, last year we wouldn't have come back in the second half and won this game. And the announcers, you know, they all perked up. And he said, yeah, because he said, we would have gone in that locker room and we would have fallen apart. We wouldn't have believed in ourselves. We now have uh, some free agents that came over to this team, developed us a little swagger, developed us how to fight through a 60-minute game. I think he's talking about all the guys on defense, Hendrickson, Hilton, uh, Eli Apple, not one of my favorite players, but he does play with a lot of swagger. My point is that new guys are going to step up. Guys have to step up in this offense. There's plenty for everyone here. And, yeah, uh, anyone that had this player, um, if you hung on to him, good job, and people are going to – going to enjoy spending some money next week on the waiver wire. Those bad budgets will be ever decreasing as, uh, as, as drafters <laughs> go out to get uh, CJ. 
That's what I love about best ball leagues because the leagues I drafted CJ yep. Uzoma and I couldn't have cut him and and now he's earning eight <laughs> points which I love. We have Silas Stane, the week one leader in the 2021 FFPC main event in his first ever foray into the main event coming up in just a minute here. Before we get to Silas, Farrell, you brought it up. Rob Gronkowski this week, he's doubtful in his return to Foxborough to take on the New England Patriots, according to Jeff Howe, who covers the Buccaneers for the Athletic. Uh, Gronkowski is going to have to play through, quote, um, extreme, some extreme pain if he's going to be going – uh, to, to play against his old team this week. He is listed as doubtful. You think he's going to play at all? What are the chances? I mean, is it just basically what it says, uh, a one-in-four shot of playing, or do you think it's better than that? No, I think they're being truthful with us. That We talked all along about the training room, the stars, um, are the true stars behind the scene in the NFL. And, and so it will probably be a game-time decision as they, as they work with the tight end and try to get him in position to play. You know that this player wants to play in this game badly. So we'll just have to see. You know, I I think anyone who has been through uh, playing multiple teams in the FFPC could not avoid the bullet of losing players early in the game. It's happening to everybody, and, it, you know, it tears your heart out when it happens. Um, I don't think anyone wants to take that risk. It sounds like that uh, Gronkowski, as always, will try to toughen it up and play. But you know what? He's going to get hit when he gets out on that field. He just not might not be able to go, even if he if it shows up for starting the game. You know, it, it, there's a lot to worry about, Farrell. You mentioned the the issue of re-injury and the fact that they play Sunday night this week. So yep. unless you have a Cameron Brait, unless you have an O.J. Howard, a Hunter Henry, perhaps on Monday night a Jared Cook, somebody like that, or even a Donald Parham it might just be best to stay away from Rob Gronkowski this week and play somebody else and not have to wait until that Sunday night game. I apologize to our guest, Silas Dane. We will get to you in one second, the week one leader in the 2021 FFPC main event. Final thing I want to bring up here, Farrell, the uh, Elijah Mitchell and the San Francisco 49ers situation uh, in, in the backfield. According to Kyle Shanahan, uh, Mitchell's availability, who is dealing with the shoulder injury, is in limbo. Matt Barrows covers the uh, San Francisco 49ers. He tweeted this out. Remember, Elijah Mitchell did not play this past week. He's been limited all week in practice. Um, and obviously, if he is active, you probably got to bench Trey Sermon. I don't know what you do with Elijah Mitchell. And I don't think you could play any other 49ers running back, even against the Seattle defense. Farrell, how are you handling this uh, for the uh, 49ers backfield this week? And again, this is going to be a recurring theme on this show. Um, the 49ers play in the late game this week, a 4.05 p.m. Eastern start. So you kind of got to wait on it. What are you doing with the Niners running backs, man? Oh, I had Mostert early and I backed him up with Mitchell late and I felt just fine. Um, and, and now I don't. And, you know, the, the San Francisco 49ers, uh, as far as fantasy football goes, everything's in limbo. Ayuk's in limbo. Lance is in limbo, although we told everyone what you were going to get was exactly what you see down at, at, at New Orleans with their dual quarterback situation. So, uh, matter of fact, Lance, I'm beginning to see him dropped in, a, in occasional leagues and It'd be on the waiver wire next week. So, yeah, I, I'm staying away from this. Debo Samuel was my play here. Even our elite tight end is banged up uh, for this game against Seattle. And I know everyone is tempted because Seattle uh, gives up the ground yardage to the running backs. But I, I think we, since we do not have bye weeks uh, in play here in week four, I, I think your best move is to, is to move somewhere other than San Francisco. 
Well, our best move on this show right now is to bring in tonight's guest. He has been playing high-stakes fantasy football for more than a decade. And while 2021 does mark his first entry ever into the FFPC main event, he's been playing a ton of the FFPC ancillary leagues over the years. He's obviously had a lot of success in the Super Bracket Tournament and his favorite the high-stakes auction leagues, which we will get into, I promise you, uh, before uh, the next half hour is over. After week one this season, he led all other comers in his first-ever year in the 2021 FFPC main event. Please welcome the pride of Canada, the mayor, or the governor, I don't know how it works, in Saskatchewan, but the pride of Canada onto the program. It is Silas Dane. Silas, thanks so much for doing the show this week, man. How you guys doing? The, we're doing good. The, so, so here's the thing. The first question I want to ask you, Silas, the photo that we tweeted out from the FFPC, the HSFFR and my accounts, the photo we included in the FFPC uh, email that went out this week was you, I'm assuming at some sort of barbecue joint. We saw the, the, the barbecue chicken. We saw the ribs. We saw the brisket. We saw the mac and cheese. We saw everything on there. Tell us the story behind that. And number two, did you end up eating that whole thing and winning yourself a T-shirt or your name on the wall of, of some uh, barbecue restaurant in Canada? What, what's the story behind that, man? Yeah, I know that was just out in a front, out in, at a work event with some boys, and we uh, we had a couple platters of that, so I got the picture with that one, and we just kind of kind of went through through a bunch of different things there that night. It's just an ordinary okay, so Saturday night in Canada, Balky. That's what it is. <laughs> What's going on? Okay, so I don't. No, no, no. That's, that's not good enough. Silas, you said you got a couple platters and you were with a few friends. One platter of that looked like it was about 35 to 40 pounds of food. So you're saying you got a couple <laughs> of platters? How many friends did you have out that night? There was, there was four or five of us. Oh, my <laughs> God. <laughs> The thing is, it was some pretty good barbecue, and, and I have a pet peeve when some of these places call themselves barbecue, but it's not real uh, barbecue, yeah. and this, this was pretty good. Good deal. Where was it? Was this in Canada, or was it somewhere in the States? No, this actually was in Calgary, Canada. Um, Calgary. At a, you know, a, dec- a decent, decent barbecue shop where they actually uh, did the smokers and everything. That's, That's awesome. Beautiful. Uh And, and, and li- I've had... Bar- I, I'll tell you this right now. I've, I've been to Canada a couple of times, and I've had Canadian barbecue, uh, like, you know, as far as, you know, how they do it up there, and like an authentic barbecue place, and it's good. It is really good. I mean, I've, I've had Texas barbecue before, and it rivals that. It's really, really good. So I, I think – and I've never been to Calgary. I'll tell you that. The barbecue I had was in Toronto. Um, but the, the, the Calgary barbecue, Silas, I'm going to take your word for it. We have to get into the fantasy football portion of this interview as much as I'd love to talk about brisket and ribs and so on and so forth with you. Tell us when you are not leading the FFPC main event what you're doing for a living there in Saskatchewan. Yeah, I have my own uh, tax business. We deal with ag clients, so we deal with mostly farmers. And I've had my own business for about 11 years. Before that, I was, I was for, uh, working with a large national firm, and I was in some management there at the end, and I just uh, – started my own company uh, just over 10 years ago and it's been very good. We also do some private equity investments. We do some real estate and some private lending. Um, we do have a lot of uh, projects in the States or we have had in the past. So it's been, uh, it's been really good for us. I have a business partner and best friend and it's, uh, it's, it's been a great adventure. 
When you love what you're doing, Silas, you never work a day in your life. Everyone's heard that, and it sounds like you're living it. You know, in Balky, uh, there are nonstop flights to Calgary from Dallas and, and Houston, and there's no accident because of the oil business there. So, you know, it it, it doesn't surprise me that there's a great uh, barbecue uh, in, in Calgary. What does surprise there me, you go. Dane and Eric Bogman. Uh, there's a couple of wide receivers that you question, elite wide receivers, that you question putting in your lineup this week. There's one in Arizona with Hopkins. You wonder, you know, he's beat up. He's going against the Rams, his nemesis, Ramsey. But there's one that's even more troubling to me, and that's when you look at the Chicago Bears, and I did not have this player anywhere this year because I just, I, I feel for the player, and that is Allen Robinson. And, and you know, I do not do not feel validated by where he is this season, and I hope that his performance can improve because he's one of my favorite players to watch through three games. Uh, Ten receptions, 86 yards, one TD. Uh, How many times you got Allen, Silas, and and what are you going to do with him this week? Well, it's a pretty scary situation when you're hoping to get Andy Dalton back. And, uh, Allen Robinson was one of those guys. He he fell a little more than I thought he should, and I ended up grabbing him a bunch of spots. And uh, if you look at a couple of my teams, the one team has four or five second, third-round receivers, and uh, it was either week two or week three. Four of them didn't perform. With, wow. You know, six points, eight points, six points. And um, the kind of year we've had a little bit last year and this year so far, you just kind of – kind of shake your head and smile and keep going. And Robinson, you can't – you just got to play him and, and hope he, uh, you know, gets 100 yards and a score or two. Let's hope so. I And, and listen, and we talked – and by the way, the road of his high-stakes load on should be out shortly with uh, John Terry. And we talked a lot about the uh, – by the way, the week two overall leader in the Football Guys Players Championship, John Terry, a former guest of this show. We talked a little bit about Allen Robinson – um, if there is one player um, over the last decade that I have overdrafted or been overweight on and continue to be so in 2021, it's Allen Robinson. And I'm at a loss right now. It's been frustrating, very frustrating um, for, for him. We talked a lot about that uh, with, with John Terry. I encourage everybody to listen and download. Silas, let's get back to you and talk about another receiver, Zach Pascal. He has 18 targets in three games without the services of T.Y. Hilton in Indianapolis. How close is he, for the leagues you own him in, to sneaking into your flex spot as he takes on the Dolphins in South Beach this weekend? Yeah, a guy like Pascal, he's, uh, he's a guy I've had a, a fair bit the last couple of years. He's, he's uh, uh, I kind of look at him as a guy kind of like Hunter Renfrew or uh, Justin Gage a couple of years ago, Kendrick Bourne last year where when these top receivers are out, you can plug them in and they'll, they'll get five or six catches for 60, 80 yards. And if you get a touchdown, you're ahead of the game with one of these guys. So that's what i kind of seen with Pascal, especially when, uh, when their other receiver there didn't work, hasn't worked out so far, uh, Campbell. And Pittman's been okay, but Campbell hasn't, and Pascal's been, been the target guy. And Silas, tip of the cap to Balky. He's been on Pascal since back in April. He's talked about it and talked about it, and uh, good job, Balky, because you picked this player out, and he, he is very, very comfortable with the quarterback when no one else appears to. 
to be that way. You know what? What's uncomfortable in football is watching the Philadelphia Eagles right now, guys. It, uh, and, we, and we have the unusual situation that the quarterback is, is a very good fantasy player while regressing as a player uh, on the field as, as far as his usefulness in the NFL team. But he's not getting a lot of help from the play calling. They've got the, they go up against the Chiefs defense with a running back that I kind of appreciate, Miles Sanders. Uh, but three three rushing attempts uh, outside of what the quarterback did in the last game. Uh, what are you doing with Miles Sanders? Well, again, Miles Sanders is one of those guys. He uh, he was dropping a bit in drafts, and then he was, seemed to be overdrafted, as some people were saying, you know, on some of these uh, podcasts. And then all of a sudden he was there in a couple of my drafts now, so I have to draft the guy. He's He's the kind of – running back that's going to get some carries and going to get some receptions and might break a big one. And so he's, he's kind of been my guy. And then all of a sudden he's not, and you got these guys like Hurts and uh, even the Baltimore quarterback, they're what I call college quarterbacks. They're not very good NFL quarterbacks. Jackson had a great year, but then you got Hurts and, you know, all of a sudden he puts up these garbage time stats to stay in it. And then you look at Sanders' numbers and it's like, Oh my gosh. What do, I, what do I do here? But again, he's he's one of my uh, one of my two or three starting running backs. So you got to kind of go with him and hope that he gets uh, breaks a big one or gets a few catches. And you you would hope that these coaches eventually get it. Uh, Chicago, uh, Philly, Indy, they have to be able to uh, make some better play calling. Hey, let me, Silas, let me ask you this. Let's say somebody who is uh, playing in the FFPC main event like you or the Football Guys Players Championship, they can only, even with the flex spots, they can only start one of these players. It comes down to Miles Sanders this week, who is at home against Kansas City Chiefs, or the new starting running back in Carolina, who is taking on the Cowboys in Dallas. That's Chuba Hubbard. Who would you start this week? Only one spot available, Hubbard or Miles Sanders? Yeah, and that's one. I mean, it's it's a little bit of a toss-up. I'm still going to go with the veteran. He's uh, we got to hope that he breaks some and, and gets a few more catches. Hubbard is a little bit unknown. Um, going against Dallas, they might have to throw a little more. And, you know, I might not be as comfortable as Hubbard being that guy making those catches that McCaffrey was going to make. You are listening to the voice of undoubtedly the next Prime Minister of Canada. It is Silas Day, the <laughs> Week 1 leader in the FFPC main event and uh, former FFPC league champ. So let's talk about, uh, we, we just talked about Carolina. Robbie Anderson, what is going on with him right now? Because, you know, you look at, uh, and I was, high, I, I wouldn't say I guess I was high on him, but I look at him coming to Carolina this year um, and, and catching passes from Sam Darnold, who is his former uh, teammate in New York, Silas, and you look at what he's done so far this year. Three targets, one catch week one. Granted, it was a long touchdown, but okay. He gets six targets. He, he catches three of them week two. But then one catch for eight yards uh, at Houston, one of the worst teams in the NFL in week three. He goes to Dallas. It could be a potential shutout or a shutout. Could be a potential shootout in, in that game. But does, does Robbie Anderson represent, if all things are going good, a must-bench player right now, given the high target value of D.J. Moore um, and, and obviously uh, Chuba Hubbard and um, uh, Royce Freeman getting in on the action, catching passes from, from, 
from Sam Darnold uh, in that offense, not to mention Terrace Marshall. What do you think about Robbie Anderson going forward, my man? Yeah, I mean, Robbie's one of those guys going into the draft that was, I was pretty comfortable drafting at where he was. Uh, Carolina doesn't really have or didn't really have a tight end. Uh, they have McCaffrey, who's obviously their focal point. Um, DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson and McCaffrey. I thought Darnold would have a better year. Um, Carolina's schedule, they play a couple teams where they're going to have to have shootouts. Uh, they got Atlanta a couple times, so I thought there's some upside with him, and it just hasn't worked out so far. So a week like this, when they're playing Dallas, like you said, probably a shootout. Um, they don't have McCaffrey. I'm probably leaning towards Anderson. Um, if I do have other options, I he, he will be on my bench in some of my teams, but I also might uh, might play him for that upside. Balky, I want to jump in there. The total on that game right now, by by the way, right now, 51.5 in that Panthers-Cowboys game. Farrell, go ahead, my man. Uh, Silas, I want to jump in there because one of the things you didn't mention that I've been focusing on this week with this player, it's a Thursday night game. Uh, that So we've had a long time to prepare for it, and the guys have got a couple days off in Carolina. Carolina coming off that Thursday night game. So we're in a situation where you're looking at a player that contributed mightily to this team last year, and the coaches are going to take an assessment of where they are. They're going to say, hey, we got to get this player involved. The player probably hasn't complained a lot. He's an easygoing personality, and he's uh, – uh, but he's probably at the point that he would like to join the party and the team, as you most point out, needs him. But as you go into that wide receiver room and those those coaches are going to say, let's plan to make things happen and make some things go through Anderson. So I think you would be uh, very astute to leave this player in your, uh, in your lineups this week. I, I know I am. And if it doesn't work That's... this week, then, then we'll do something else. But <laughs> I think it's going to work this week. <laughs> Uh, and now something that's been working every week up in Detroit where nothing seems to ever work is Jamal Williams. Um, and, and he was a great value uh, where you could get him in the draft and what he's turning around. I think Balky has got him in at uh, averaging about 15 fantasy points uh, per game this year. Do you trust him in this situation, time split with DeAndre Swift, a situation where – the team is often behind. Uh, what do you think about Jamal Williams going forward? And, you know, nationally a running back averaging 15 points, should he be in your lineup every week? Yeah, he's the, he's the kind of guy uh, on the sheets. I had him very close to A.J. Dillon, for example. And the guys ahead of him were, you know, guys like Gaskin, uh, Harris in New England. And when it, when it came down to it, um, I was getting him a round or two later. So I've taken him a couple times, and he's the kind of guy that you plug in there. He gets, you know, 40, 50 yards, catches five or six balls for another 60. He gets a score. Um, a couple of my teams, I've seen, I tended to load up on wide receivers, and with the two flex spots in the FFPC, he's, uh, he's a very adequate second, second running back for me when I have, you know, four or five starting receivers. So uh, week to week, again, Detroit has to play from behind. They have to throw the ball. Um, he's really good at run protection, so he's going to get some playing time. And even if even if Swift keeps doing great, um, there's probably a spot for Jamal. You know, and that's the other thing, too, to, to keep in mind this week. And, and, again, I don't want to make it seem like everybody's desperate with injuries and bye weeks or, or anything like that in week four because nobody should be. Um, but 
Dan Campbell was talking up DeAndre Swift this week. That doesn't necessarily mean Jamal Williams is right out as a potential flex start, or if you went zero RB and, and you want to get Jamal Williams in your lineup as your second uh, running back. I, um, I haven't taken a hard look at my teams, but I know I do have Jamal Williams on a decent number of my dynasty teams and a couple of my redraft teams, and I will be taking a hard look at flexing him out this week because with the points he's churning out, it's kind of silly not to at this point. He is, when he was in Green Bay, um, he was a prolific pass protection running back that has not changed in Detroit and he is a well above average pass catcher too so all the things we like as fantasy players um the fact that he's going to be out there on a lot of third downs the fact that he can catch passes the fact that he can keep Jared Goff from being killed all works in our favor as far as snap count so I do like Jamal Williams quite a bit this year we're talking with the week one FFPC uh, main event uh, overall leader Silas Dane, former FFPC league champion as well. Let's talk about um, what you did with the with uh, your main event team this year in the second round. That's Jonathan Taylor, and um, he's questionable for week play. I know I'm starting him in all my leagues, but he got off to a, a pretty slow start uh, so far. What's going on with him, and and when do you think things are going to start to turn around for JT this year, Silas? Yeah, he's another guy I mentioned uh, earlier with Philly and Indy. Uh, very similar teams. Sanders isn't at the at the level of Taylor, and Taylor's ADP at the start of the year fluctuated a bit. But in the second round, I I think I took uh, wide receiver in the first round, Tyreek. Uh, so I had to take Taylor, and he he hasn't worked out so far. Um, the other thing I liked about Taylor, and and we talked about them all earlier. If you look at uh, their division. You know, they're playing Jacksonville, they're playing um, Houston, and they're playing Tennessee. So, pretty easy schedule for a third of their games uh, offensively. So, a guy like Taylor, you just got to keep plugging and playing. And, and he's, you know, a lot like Sanders. He's got to get those carries. He's got to get some catches. Um, they do have Hines, but still, Taylor's in there a lot. And, you know, eventually they're going to have to uh, have to push them more. So, so, you know, your response is, I can tell you're a good player, you're a knowledgeable player. Last weekend, August, uh, every year in Kentucky, Balky comes with a number of other drafters from around the country here at the KFFSC, and I'd like to invite you to come down. And I'd like to invite you to especially come down and play in one of two auctions we have. We have two auctions that weekend, and every year I get – 18, 19 guys that are passionate about auctions. Balky's one of them. It's the most fun that we have on the weekend. Uh, yep. Guys, it, it's just great. Everything about it is just great, except the fact that I have 19. I need 24. I have 19 guys that are passionate. So every year i got to go out and talk four or five guys that have never played auctions and come and play an auction. And then they only play once, and they don't ever play again. And it's because of guys like you, Silas Dane. It's because of guys like you that put together <laughs> rosters. I'm looking at a roster from your FFPC team. This is why they won't come back, because they don't want to compete against you. And guys that can put Tyler Boyd, A.J. Brown, D.J. Chark, Devante, DeAndre Hopkins, Terry McLaurin, Allen Robinson and Mike Williams. There's non-performers on this roster. There's now injured players on this roster. But how in the hell do you get all these wide receivers on one team? <laughs> Did you uh, see my scores last week? 
Uh, no, no, I was yeah. so scared to look at the score. <laughs> yeah, I had uh, four of those guys had an average of about seven points, <laughs> and I had uh, I had three guys, three guys on the bench, three of those receivers on the bench with an average of eighteen. So you're and, telling me uh, all that glitters isn't gold? Is that is that what well, you're telling me here? Well, Silas, when I go yeah, into the, the office, here's the thing. Silas is saying right now. I am a great general manager as far as a head coach goes. Maybe there needs to be something. Well, I mean, but the thing is, like, even if there's something to be desired, you know, I would, Silas, and, you know, disagree with me if you want. I would rather have the bad problem of trying to figure out which four of these receivers to start every week than not having even two or three receivers to start every week because this is a good problem to have, man. Yeah, I mean, going into the week, the four guys that started, I can't couldn't fit any of them. It was uh, Brown, Hopkins, right. McLaurin, and I think Robinson. And mm-hmm. so you're stuck with Mike Williams on the bench, who was basically my – I drafted him as my number six guy. And uh, my other – oh, DJ Chark was my extra guy, and I think I had one more, um, oh, Tyler Boyd. And how, how, you know, how do I argue that? But when I go into these auctions, I don't – that's the best thing about the auction is I don't – some people have a plan and they want to go through their draft and they want to know the draft position. I don't really care about a lot of that. I go in with the plan of get the best guys available. And I remember specifically at the auction, I was chatting with a couple of guys at the break and I'm like, I'm not sure what I'm going to do about running back a quarterback, but I'll figure it out. And mm-hmm. um, running back, I ended up getting Sanders in that one again. Um, Jamal and McKissick were my two running backs that I figured they'd be good second running backs until I could, you know, grab a guy on waivers or somebody broke even. And a lot of these guys, um, because especially because of COVID, it's, uh, we're seeing more injuries than ever. So some of these guys are stepping up and you can never have enough depth. So when I can go and get a, get a position like wide receiver and stack it, um, wide res- or a tight end, I think in that one, I, I had a little bit of upside. I think I got Tunyon and, uh, um, fans maybe so I got some cheap tight yep. ends with you know a little bit a little bit of upside and and running backs I got you know three guys with, with a little bit of upside and if they're if they're second running backs it doesn't matter when I got those wide receivers let's get to a couple of emails here uh, we have for you Silas tonight the first one comes from uh, Alex in Grand Rapids Michigan he writes why do you think the Falcons aren't getting Kyle Pitts more involved and do you think his fantasy production goes on the upswing sometime soon? Thanks, Silas. That is Alex in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Thank you for the email, and thank you for listening. Alex, uh, Silas, your thoughts on Kyle Pitts. Why hasn't he been more involved, and, and does this change anytime soon, or does it stay the same? Yeah, I think one of my uh, – I'll say one of my disadvantages is I don't follow college much. So I don't, I'm not as big on the rookies as a lot of people are. Uh, one of my strengths is that I'm not – I don't panic, so I have a lot more patience. Uh, Pitts was – I never drafted him anywhere. He's going a little too high, um, especially for a rookie, especially for a tight end, in my opinion. And, you know, I looked a lot in these drafts. Hawkins, Pitts, uh, Mark Andrews are all basically the same. And I went with the veterans, uh, especially with, with Gage out now. Pitts has to get involved if they want to start winning at all. And they're going to have to start throwing more if they're going to, going to be coming from behind all the time. So we have to get involved. 
to the to the degree that some people think maybe not. Silas, one final email here for you from a listener before Farrell has his final question for you tonight. It comes from Dan in West Nyack, New York. I think I'm pronouncing that right, West Nyack. Um, he writes, how close to an every week start is Marquise Brown for you right now? That is Dan in West Nyack, New York. Dan, thank you for listening. Thank you for emailing. Marquise Brown's an interesting guy because I think he had a solid week one and a solid week two. And he would have had a solid week three if it weren't for these inexplicable drops he had against the Detroit Lions. I still don't know how, you know, how to explain those away. But he could have had a boffo week three. He didn't because of those drops. But you look at how often Lamar Jackson is looking to him, Silas. You look at how often he's being targeted. This could be a guy that, that could be a real difference maker. How close is he to an every week must start for you right now, man? Yeah, he's the guy I see. Um, I got some good value from him. A lot of guys were really focusing on the New Orleans guy, Callaway. Uh, there's a couple other guys in that kind of tier, and Marquise Brown just kind of kept being there. So I got him a couple times. The way that I looked at him, when, when Gus Edwards went down, they have, they have to change their game plan a little bit. Uh, Williams, I don't believe, is a long-term answer. They're going to be turning through running backs this year. They don't have any other wide receivers that are that are – NFL one or twos. Um, Andrews is going to be good, but they have to throw to Marquise. And especially if the defense isn't as, as strong as people thought they were. So I think he's going to be a very uh, solid player throughout the year. You know, I, I've tipped my question, my, my final sweep it up and ended up question, and, and, and it can help a lot of players, uh, Silas. And who might you regret starting? this week is is the first part of this question. We talked a little bit about Hopkins, and we talked a little bit about regrets we had in, in previous weeks. Um, and, and then who is the sleeper? Who's somebody in, in addition to uh, Pascal that we talked about that, that you might really want to make sure you get in the lineup? Those two guys. The guy that's going to cause you some Monday morning, Tuesday morning regret. And, and the guy that, that you think could uh, really deliver for you that nobody's thinking of? Yeah, it's uh, – there's a couple players, a couple teams where the running back situation is maybe unsettled. Um, San Francisco, Baltimore, uh, you know, if Elijah Mitchell's back and people are playing him, are they going to stick a little more with, with Yuschuk and, and play him a little more? And mm. Mitchell's, you know, going to have a dud game. So that's one guy that scares me a little bit. And, and a couple of these other fringy uh, running back situations. Um, teams, you got you got Mike Davis, Miles Gaskin, a few of these guys that are kind of the same player. And they can be good, but they can be absolute duds for the week. And those guys always scared me, and that's why I went with an upside guy like Jamal this year. Um, as far as the guy doing good. I took a look at, at Green Bay, and with, with MVS, I know he hasn't done much this year, but is a guy like Lazard going to catch a couple, or, you know, is, is this a week where, where Tunyon starts getting a few catches and maybe a touchdown? So you look at some of these teams where injuries, and I try and try and pick a guy like that. We talked a little bit about Pascal earlier. Um, you know, I tend to look at some players where there's injuries and who might pop up and uh, – Tennessee, for example, I did uh, on waivers this week. I grabbed that uh, I don't even know his name, Ikeni, a little bit. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, Westbrook and Keeney. Yeah, the top two wide receivers are out. So he's going to be in play for me in a couple leagues. And he's going to be my, you know, my second flex guy. If he does another game where he goes six for 70 and a touchdown, I'm winning. You know, I'm winning. Yes, not winning you are. The, the, the league maybe, but I'm winning that spot. So that's what I kind of look at. I like uh, it. Who's going to be hot that week? Yeah, Westbrook Hikini. I This could be um, the first of many podcasts we're discussing him. It could be the final podcast we're discussing him, <laughs> depending upon <laughs> the health of A.J. Brown and Julio Jones. I don't know where to land on that. What uh, I do know <laughs> is it is always good to talk to the leader of the FFPC main event, no matter what week it is. And, and it, Silas, I really want to congratulate you. I mean, how wild was it for you you know, you take the plunge this year, you're going to join the FFPC main event, and then you look at the leaderboard after week one. You're in first place. What was that like, man? I mean, I, I knew I drafted a strong team. Um, and I said earlier how I don't panic. So I really don't look a whole lot at the standings till week seven or eight. Uh, again, you look at my week three when I got I got four top receivers averaging seven points. So And Dak, Dak Prescott was my – my stud quarterback in week one that got 10 or 12 points in week two or three, two, week two, I think it was. So you kind of sometimes just got to smile and say, isn't this fun? And just move along. Well, it's always fun talking to you, Silas. This was a pleasure. Silas Dane, ladies and gentlemen, the 2021 FFPC week one main event leader, former FFPC league champ. Silas, wish you the best of the luck, uh, best of luck going forward in all your leagues, whether it be the main event, your auction league, football guys, whatever it is. And uh, hopefully we can talk again soon. Uh, in the meantime, make sure that uh, you are – I'm putting you in charge of Canada, man. Uh, Justin Trudeau be damned. You are in charge of, of keeping that country in tip-top shape uh, the next time I visit it. I can't wait to, uh, to hang out with you, whether it be Calgary – or Saskatchewan or whatever it is, uh, we'll we'll uh, we'll craft or we'll uh, we'll toast some Labats or whatever and uh, and hang out, talk fantasy football, man. This was a pleasure, and we'll talk to you again real soon, dude. Thank you. I will Tyler. see you in I will see you in Kentucky next year. Oh wow! Oh, perfect, Louisville. He's Louisville bound. A commitment. You, you, a commitment. Yeah, Thank you, it. Silas. That's a verbal commitment. That? That's a verbal commitment. Silas, That's I'll see you in Louisville, dude. And, and and here's my only here's my only stipulation: don't uh, destroy me too much in the auction league. We will be inevitably competing against you. In I was trying to break even, man. <laughs> Silent Dane, ladies and gentlemen from Saskatchewan, Canada. Uh, what a pro- what a pleasure. And and Farrell, just to sort of put a bow on his interview, and I'll just say this: and this is an underrated thing, and I think every no matter how long you've been playing high-stakes fantasy football, this range, uh, rings true and something we should always keep in mind. Be patient. Um, mm-hmm. You know, don't, don't hit the gas when you need to be slowly tapping on the brake. Don't slam on the brakes when you need to be easing on the gas. You know, it, it's so easy to have a knee-jerk reaction, whether it be cutting somebody or benching somebody or starting somebody. That, that doesn't have a – there's not a good track record for success when, when it comes to that. And I know I've been exhibiting it as best as I can. Um, you know, you want to strike uh, as much as you can on, on these waiver wire gems out there, but you don't want to overreact to it. And if there's one thing I took from this interview tonight with Silas, it's that he does not overreact to anything. 
He understands yeah. that all the preparation that he put in in the pre-draft process, whether that was one month or six months, um, he's still banking on that. He's not going to panic, and this is the type of thing that's usually rewarded in fantasy football. Exactly, and what I'm grateful for is he's not a guy that sits and says, this player's through, this player's done, this player doesn't have the skills, this player's missing yeah. a step. Oh, he's no, no. He's standing by his Allen Robinson. He made the pick. He owns it. And he's hopeful that whatever quarterback plays, it should figure out a way to get the ball to the number one receiver in the team and one of the top ten receivers in the NFL. That's the way you play, and that's how you understand fantasy football. And if you understand the players, you should understand a way to get better. This guy's winning his first time out. He's building big teams. He knows what he's doing, and I think it's because he has a, a, a great plan and a great philosophy about how to execute that plan. Yeah, and, and Pharaoh, you touched on it too. Like, you know, granted, DJ Chark is, is going to be out for the season, but, I mean, you look at his 1250 auction. The, 12, the, the auctions out in La, uh, Las Vegas that the FFPC has, that's the creme de la creme. That is the, the best of the best. And he put together a team, and, and I know I, didn't, I don't have it in front of me, but I remember looking at his team, and I'm like, well, his running backs aren't even that bad. They're, they're actually pretty decent. And he still mm-hmm. puts together Boyd, A.J. Brown, Chark, Hopkins, McLaurin, Allen Robinson, Mike Williams, for God's sake. Um, so he is going to be a force to be reckoned with in that league. He's still going to be a force to be reckoned with in the FFPC main event. Let's help out as many players as we can, not only in that main event, but the Football Guys Players Championship with some emails here tonight. Farrell, the first one is from Mark in Los Angeles. He writes, hey, guys. Just grab Tyler Conklin off the waiver wire. Should I be p- playing him over Hunter Henry in my football guys leagues this week? I'm never waiting on a tight end in this format again. Thank you. That is Mark in Los Angeles. <laughs> Thank you so much, Mark. I understand where you're coming from. So if he can only start one between the newly added Tyler Conklin and the previously drafted uh, Hunter Henry in this tight end premium format, uh, Farrell, where would you encourage him to go? Conklin, who is going to be at home against the Browns, or Hunter Henry at home against the Buccaneers? He should run with uh, Tyler Conklin for a lot of reasons, some of them to do with what Hunter Henry has to live with in New England. But let's focus on his new acquisition. You know, Conklin is the kind of player, this is why you should be familiar with the depth charts. All fantasy players every couple of weeks dig into those depth charts, understand who the players were. Lots of people are calling this guy a rookie. Lots of people are calling this guy new to the league. He's been there for three years. He's learned how to play the position. He's a former basketball player from Central Michigan. You know, they announced Irv Smith being injured and out for the year. Jay Reed, in his altered physical state at the KFFSC, approached me and said, <laughs> "And you know, I would when when Jay was he was so compromised by his illness that it took on the airplane on his way to the trip." And, and, you know, I would yell, Jay's walking, because I wanted everybody to notice in case he fell down that somebody would pick him up. But, you know, he walked up to me, and in this state, he goes, I just drafted Tyler Conklin. I said, why did you draft Conklin? He says, well, you know, uh, Jay Reed knows. You know, and, and that's, that was the kind, of, uh, the kind of performance that you could expect from a player that's been prepared to play the position. Minnesota Vikings, again, a very, very good team at developing talent. Thielen did the same thing. Thielen wasn't there for three years before he got to the field, but you get my point. Tyler Conklin has high upside. Go with Conklin. Hope Hunter Henry plays well. You've got them both. Later on, you'll be playing them both. 
I uh, I think it's closer for me than it is for Farrell. I still lean towards Tyler Conklin, given how um, integral he was uh, was in the game plan for the Vikings last week. Um, I and I'm I, I guess for me it's just like I'm not willing to totally write uh, John o. Smith off in in week four. That doesn't mean I'm starting him, but it, it it does mean that there's a little hesitancy with Hunter Henry when I do have Tyler Conklin on my roster. So I am saying Conklin as well. Next question, dear Balky and Farrell, this comes from Corey and Charlotte. I've been rolling with uh, Ryan Tannehill over Kirk Cousins the first three weeks of the season, but do you feel week four is the right time to flip flop them? Thank you, Corey and Charlotte for listening as well as emailing. So you look at this coming week here in uh, in in um, in the FFPC uh, high stakes fantasy football leagues. Yeah, Ryan Tannehill is going to New York to take on the Jets. Kirk Cousins stays at home to take on the Browns. Farrell, which way are you leaning here? Cousins v. Tannehill. Thank you, Corey, for this email. I made the same choice, although I wasn't as fortunate as you to have Cousins on my roster. I had to go into the waiver wire and pick him up. I was surprised to see he was there. Glad to have him. Glad to be playing him in this in this matchup. Cleveland is not the ideal defense to be going against, but I think Cousins have, will have to do a lot of things uh, to beat the Browns. Uh, th- this is another one of these reunions. You know, Balky, we got these reunions all over the league. We haven't talked yet about Tom Brady going back and everybody else is, so we should probably leave that alone. But, you know, uh, uh, the head coach returns. Uh, to his, his alma mater of the NFL there in Minnesota. That's a big, big deal. Uh, here in Louisville, we have uh, uh, Lamar Jackson versus Teddy Bridgewater. So there's all these great things, uh, these great matchups this weekend. But in Minnesota, the way the Vikings will have to win, will have to put points on the board, especially with Dalvin Cook returning. They're going to have to do it through the air. They've got the weapons to do it against Cleveland. I think they'll frustrate that secondary. Cousins has a big game. He's, uh, New York and Tennessee, it's all going through Derrick Henry as they slug out and get a victory. I'm with you. Um, NWI is going to be the lead receiver for Tennessee this week, which is fine if you want to start NWI, but not fine if you want to start Ryan Tannehill. No Julio Jones, no A.J. Brown, Kirk Cousins. Is I, I want to say, like, in non-PPR scoring, Kirk Cousins is, like, the number five or six overall score in fantasy this year, which is insane. But that's what it is, mm-hmm. and that's why you got to start him this week. All right, let's move on. Ed in Fort Lauderdale. He writes, Ed, uh, uh, beg your pardon, even with James White out, I'm still a little skittish about starting Damian Harris against such a tough defense this weekend. Should I sit him? in favor of Zach Moss. Thanks, guys. That's Ed in Fort Lauderdale. Ed, thanks for listening. This and uh, emailing as well. So he's right. I mean, Damian Harris is facing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, granted, in New England, but that is one of the toughest defensive fronts that anybody is going to face in the NFL. That game is going on on Sunday night. Obviously, a negative game trip with Damian Harris facing a seven-point underdog deficit to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Zach Moss, one of the better parts, or uh, uh, beg your pardon, one of the uh, parts of the better offenses in the NFL. They get the lowly Texans at home. They are 17-point favorites against Houston. <laughs> Certainly, this works in the favor of Zach Moss. Would you sit Damian Harris in favor of Zach Moss this weekend? You would have to, Balky. You know Damian Harris, the pride of Richmond, Kentucky. I would love to always be on the Damian Harris train. But this is this is not the weekend. And you talk about being patient. Zach Moss, I drafted him nowhere, but I'm starting him twice this weekend. 
because guys were uh, were not patient and dropped him from their team. Zach Moss, if you expect Buffalo to get up early, which I do, he will be the running back to come in and run this clock out and give Buffalo a win there at home against Houston. It's a no-brainer. Zach Moss is your guy. Yeah, I'm totally with you on that. It's it's really hard to make a case for Damian Harris over Zach Moss this week uh, based on the matchup. Final um, email we have tonight, it's from Justin in Columbus, Ohio. That is, uh, uh, oh, here it is. To quote Job from Arrested Development, one of my favorite shows, I've made a huge mistake. I've drafted both Brandon Ayuk and <laughs> Kenny Galladay in my main event league and have to start one of them this week. Can you give me some hope here? Justin, thank you for not only being a listener to the HSFF Hour, but a viewer of Arrested Development, one of my favorite comedy series of all time, no question. So he has to make a decision here, Farrell. He has to play either uh, Brandon Ayuk or Kenny Galladay this week. He cannot play both, and he has to play one. You look at their matchups this weekend, neither one is necessarily awesome. Kenny Galladay goes down to the Big Easy. He's got to take on the Saints. Brandon Ayuk stays at home against the Seattle Seahawks, but he's got to contend with targets not only with probably George Kittle, but for sure Debo Samuel and getting him from Jimmy Garoppolo. Who would you start here, Galladay or Ayuk? This is a tough one, but we're going to stay with the New York Giants and we're going to continue to give Galladay the chance, and this is why. Galladay is a very, very unpopular player with fantasy players, and many people feel validated because they said, not Galladay in the draft, and, you know, he was dropping way, way down, and if you got him way, way down live in Las Vegas, you should be pretty happy about it because eventually it's going to click. Shepard is not there. Darius Slayton is not there, and that doesn't mean that I want you to say I'm going to start Galladay because there's no one else. I, I dislike that when fantasy players say that because there's always right. someone else. And, and the guy that there's always someone else this week, Colin Johnson, a guy that we were on last year that played well at Jacksonville. Um, with, if he can play as well uh, as his nasty neck tattoo, uh, Kadarius Tony would be an interesting start uh, or an interesting watch, not a start. Uh, and if you've got Tony in best ball, that's a good thing. But here's your answer with Galladay. At some point in time, we talk about patience all throughout the show, at some point in time, this young quarterback and this number one receiver have to click. It could be on the carpet down in New Orleans. I, uh, I think, okay, so I look at this right now, and it's a coin flip between Galladay and Ayuk. I would lean towards Galladay against the Saints right now, but I understand the, the fascination with Ayuk. Farrell, I picked up Kadarius Tony in a lot of leagues this week in, in a wait-and-see process. I, I mm-hmm. mentioned in the chat room earlier in the program tonight how you, know, you and I have talked up Colin Johnson for, again, the better part of a year on this program. This is a dude who was once thought about as a number one, uh, like a first-round pick, and now here he has golden opportunity in New York with Darius Slayton banged up, with Sterling Shepard banged up. He can develop a chemistry uh, with with Daniel Jones. I certainly would never call him a league winner, but he certainly can help you get through a lot of injury and bye week issues. I always am getting through bye week issues and in injury situations with the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship Commissioner Farrell Elliott. Farrell, can't thank you enough for, for coming on tonight. I have to sign off. I have to get to bed. In less than eight hours, I will be on the road tomorrow because I am taking in the Wisconsin Badgers 
and the Michigan Wolverines live at Camp Randall Stadium in Madison, Wisconsin, to do some dynasty scouting with not only Ches Malusi and, and, um, and uh, Jalen Berger for the Badgers, but for the dominant Michigan running game that Jim Harbaugh has going on there. Can't wait for that. The undefeated 14th-ranked in the country, Michigan Wolverines, going into Camp Randall. That is going to be a fun. i got to get some rest, man. Thank you so much on for coming Wisconsin, on the show tonight, dude. On Wisconsin, baby. Can't wait for Jump Around. It's uh, on FS1 tomorrow, so look for me. I think I'm sitting 10 rows up at the 15-yard line in the, uh, I think, the south end zone tomorrow. So it's going to be fun. Can't wait for it. Um, it's going to be a great Saturday. It was a great Friday with you, my friend. Good luck to you in all your leagues in week four, and we will talk to you again next Friday. Farrell Elliott, ladies and gentlemen, the commissioner of the fantasy, or I beg your pardon, the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship. You can check them out at kffsc.com. Follow them on Twitter at kffsc. And, of course, um, uh, check them out on Facebook, the Kentucky Fantasy Football State championship as well that is going to do it for our show tonight ladies and gentlemen i want to thank silas dane i want to thank Farrell elliott i want to thank rob and of course uh our uh, our audio engineer and my best friend bryce for doing all the yeoman's work that they did tonight on this program especially bryce who is coming out from uh new york city tonight and helping out with uh with the program um happy birthday to one half of team kimura who is a former guest on this show chris holland from singapore comma uh, Earth, which is awesome to uh, always have him on this uh, podcast. It was awesome uh, to wish him a happy birthday tonight. Uh, we will be back next Friday at 10, 9 Central. Your weekend officially starts now. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com. It was broadcast live and heard around the world. Balky and Farrell will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from guests much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. Yeah, just to show you where everybody's allegiances lie in the HSFF hour chat room right now, uh, Dave the Dizzle Gerzak, his uh, daughter attends Notre Dame, whose starting quarterback played for the University of Wisconsin last year in Jack Cohn. He helped uh, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, despite being six-and-a-half-point dogs on a neutral field in Soldier Field, uh, Chicago, Illinois, which to me is a home field for Notre Dame over Wisconsin. Um uh, Jack Cohn helped Notre Dame to kick the Badgers' tails in by three and a half touchdowns. Um, Kevin Williamson, the Bourbon City baller himself, is definitely rooting for the Badgers tomorrow. Uh, this is a huge game because if the Badgers drop to one and three with a borderline five-star quarterback at the helm who's been turning the ball over like it's a bodily function, it's a bad situation. Um, but I'm not looking at it from that standpoint. I'm going to get up early tomorrow. I'm going to get some work done on the uh, drive down to Madison, which is about two hours or so, have some good coffee and take in the game starting at 11. We got um, some uh, free tickets to a, um, a pregame uh, free tailgate, which is right outside Camp Randall, which is going to be awesome, and uh, get some bratwurst and, and get a couple of cold ones in my system before I take in the game. And uh, whatever happens, happens. I'm just excited that I get to go see the game. It's been well over a decade since I've seen a Badgers game in person, so I'm definitely psyched up for that. 
And uh, I wish you all nothing but the best uh, in week four. Hopefully the ball bounces your way. And like I said, we'll be back next Friday. Farrell, me, 10-9 Central, join us here. It's always a pleasure. Thanks for listening, everybody. Enjoy your weekend.